Hear the reading of the scripture, which comes from Psalms 42 and 42, 43. Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour my pour out my soul, how, how I will go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. Why they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Psalm 43, vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I shall go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I, shall and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Please be seated. Happy Thanksgiving. It is our Thanksgiving Sunday, uh, after all. Um, so normally, what I, what I wanted to do was what I do every year. I mean, there's only so many Thanksgiving sermons I could do and prepare, and so I normally did it from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, where he, God says, or Paul says, you know, to give thanks always, right? And the basic message of the sermon, if you've been in this church long enough, you know the point. Always give thanks in every circumstance. There's no reason not to, and here are the reasons why, and so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, I, I decided to do something different, and I decided to look at uh, something I haven't really done before. And part of the reason is just because I just like to switch it up once in a while. Um, but the other reason is I almost forgot this was our Thanksgiving Sunday. I, this week is Thanksgiving, and I actually almost forgot that's the case. Um, and I had to ask myself a question. I mean, do I feel thankful? 
Do I feel gratitude in my heart? And to be honest, not so much. Um, not the way I think I, I should. Um, there are some people that think that if you're a Christian, if you're a really mature Christian at least, that you should be the person going around, happy all the time, positive outlook, thinking of heavenly thoughts, right? Uh, maybe, but let me ask you a question today. How are you today? How do you feel today? Do you feel thankful? I mean, honestly, ask yourself today. Do you really feel thankful? Because aren't, aren't times kind of tough right now? Inflation is up. The country is still in political disarray. Injustice is still everywhere. People are still getting hurt, still getting sick. On top of that, in the past couple of years, we've been through a lot. Even in this church, the people here, I know you've been through a lot, right? Ever since the pandemic, transitions in life have happened. Some of us have lost work. Loved ones have gotten sick. Some of us have even lost loved ones in the past couple years. Many of us are getting older. Health is deteriorating. And for some of us, maybe for the past couple of years, it may feel like the toughest time ever, relationally with family, raising your children with your spouse. It's been tough. Did you know that in the U.S., there is a, a portly, reportedly a shortage of mental health workers now? A shortage. Mental health issues have risen from 23 to 25% in our country. According to CNN and Kaiser uh, Medical, I guess, Corporation, they did a study that said 9 out of 10 Americans think there is a mental health crisis in our country. Not, a, not, a, not an epidemic, a crisis. And it's been tough, whether it's because of the pandemic or whether it's just because of life in general. Life has been tough for many people. And so here we are again, 2022, and it's already another Thanksgiving. But do you feel thankful today, right now? Do you feel thankful? Let's be honest. Because the Bible here, I think, is very honest. It's very honest with feelings. It doesn't just present a picture of a people who follow God with a smile on their faces all the time. And as we look at these two chapters in the Psalms, uh, it, it really pictures this. Honest feelings. Feelings of, of hopelessness. Feelings of, of darkness. Feelings of inability. Uh, of ineffectiveness. Uh, of sadness. And to basically point it out, I think the author here, the psalmist, is feeling depressed. And I'll tell you why that's ironic a little later. But look at, this, look at the passages we've just read. Many scholars will point out that even though the Bible separates these two, uh, into these two chapters, 42 and 43, that it's actually one psalm. Chapter 42 and chapter 43 are probably just one psalm. But as you read this, or if you heard it was just read by Zay, um, you know the guy's in a bad situation. Verse 3, he's got tears day and night. Verse 5, he feels down. Why so down, oh my soul? Why so downcast? Uh, he feels forgotten. 
Uh, verse 9 in chapter 42, he feels oppressed by his enemies. Chapter 43, verse 1, he feels like a victim of injustice. Verse 2 of chapter 43, he feels rejected. And so this guy is gushing with emotion and feeling. And what we see here is that the Bible doesn't try to sugarcoat the reality of your life and its sufferings and hardships. Christianity is not just a psychological crutch just so that you can find a way to deal with the hardships of your life. To kind of say at the end of the day, hey, look at the brighter side, okay? Or, you know, just look at the silver lining in the cloud. That's not what I think the Christian message is about. The Christian message really seeks to deal with, to represent the terrible things in life very honestly, without diluting the pain, but really trying to wrestle with it. It's not like Eastern philosophy and religions like Buddhism or Hinduism that says when bad things happen, well, don't worry, it's all in your head. It's not real. You're just making this happen to yourself. And only if you were a little more enlightened, you would see this. No, the Bible is the very opposite. It affirms that there's real pain, real suffering, real hardship, and God takes it seriously. But on the other hand, neither does the Bible just throw the blame all on you and say, well, if you had enough faith, your troubles would go away. If you just had enough faith, you would be doing better. So it's all your fault. And the Bible doesn't say that either. Because sometimes bad things happen, hard things happen, and has nothing to do with your faith. It has nothing to do with your spiritual maturity. The problem is a lot more sophisticated than this, and the answers aren't always so easy and quick. That sometimes, when you're going through something hard, sometimes you just feel like you just don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. It just feels this way. We've enjoyed summer. We're at the end of fall now. Winter is right around the corner, and even though you know you have spring to look forward to, sometimes, some days, it always feels like winter. It's never-ending. Have you ever felt like this? Like there's no hope in what you see happening outside around you. There's no hope in what you see happening in your life, right? Uh, whether it's struggling with some terrible, unforeseen tragedy or issue, or whether it's simply dealing with the never-ending daily grind of the mundane and the routine relationships, work, and family, even when you look inside your head and your heart, you can't see light either. Have you ever felt like this? When you're like this, you don't particularly feel thankful. You don't feel grateful, do you? And if you're like this, if you're feeling like this, if you're going through something like this, I want you to know this. When you read Psalm 42 and 43, it tells us you're not alone because the psalmist is going through the exact same thing. You have here a desperate person who feels like he's in the dark. He's hurting. We're not quite sure the circumstance. Maybe he's suffering. Certainly he's depressed, but he's desperate. Where is thankfulness in times like this? How do you celebrate thanksgiving in the dark? In the middle of trouble? In a situation where God seems silent or, or worse, he seems absent? How does Someone respond to this, especially a person of faith. How does the psalmist respond? And I'll give you three things that he does. He looks at the past, he looks at the future, and then he struggles. He struggles just to endure the present. 
He looks at the past, he looks at the future, and he struggles to endure the present. And I think out of that, maybe is born a more deeper, radical kind of thanksgiving. Okay? He looks at the past, he looks at the future, and he tries to endure the present. He looks at the past. Notice this here. Uh, in verse 4 of chapter 42, these things I remember, the psalmist says. These things I remember. He's looking at the past. As I pour out my soul, how would I go, uh, how I would go with the throng and lead them into procession to the house of God with glad shouts, songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. He's remembering the past. Songs of praise. He's remembering better days. Days of praise. Days of thankfulness. But they're memories. They're memories. Because more now, or more recently, he feels more like a deer. When you look at verse 1, he says, uh, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? He remembers what it was like, the good days, when he was more thankful. But now, where is my God? That's a good question. Because it felt like he was there in the past. Where is he now? Where is the God that was supposed to be so close to you? That's what he's saying. Where is the God who was on your lips of praise? That's what he's saying. Where is the God who used to bring offerings of thanksgiving and worship? That's what he's saying. Where is he now? You know, as I get older and as you get older, what you find yourself doing is talking about the good times all the time, right? Oh, those were the good old days. Oh, those were the good times. Those were great memories. But did you ever notice, even as good as it was, as thankful as you may have been, sometimes good memories, even great memories, can be painful in the present because it reminds you of the loss that you experience right now. It exacerbates it. And so he's in anguish. But that's what he does first. He remembers the past. He remembers better days, thankful days, days of blessing. But the second thing we see this psalm is doing is this. He doesn't just remember the past. He has anticipation. He looks forward to it. You know, the reason why scholars say that these two chapters are actually one psalm is because there's a refrain that's repeated three times here. In verse 5 of chapter 42, he says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil with me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He says it again, verse 11. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And then he does it a third time. Hope in God, verse 5 of chapter 43. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Over and over again, he is saying, I think, to himself, I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. I will be praising him again someday. He's not just looking at the past, he's looking in the future. And I think as he's writing this, I, I think he's really struggling with himself. I think he's using his faith to wrestle against what he's really honestly feeling. 
And it's not like some of us do. You know, when we say struggle, what we mean is good things happen, we're happy. Bad things happen, we give up. And we say that's struggle. No, struggling means that you are actually working against something. And I think this is what he's doing. That uh, as much as he's honest with his feelings and how he's feeling, he's preaching to himself, so to speak. The psalmist anticipates and he longs for a time where he will one day go back to the altar of God with joy and thanksgiving and he will play his instrument before God and he will praise this God again someday. But the problem is for the psalmist, just not today. I shall again praise him like I used to, be thankful like I used to, but I can't quite pull it off these days. I'll be praising him again someday, but not today, and maybe not this Thanksgiving weekend. He's being very honest. He looks at the past. He struggles to look at the future. He lives with both a memory and an anticipation of praise and thanksgiving. It just isn't his present reality. And I think some of us find ourselves in a similar place. Thanksgiving, or being thankful, being joyful, uh, being praiseful, I guess you could say if that's a word, is a memory. And for some of us, maybe it's a tenuous kind of hope. Well, not now, but one day. But right now, it's just not there. And right now, everything feels like a struggle. And the question that we've got to ask is, because I think that's how it kind of ends, is this, what, is, what are these two chapters doing here in the Bible? I mean, if you think about this, um, it's kind of embarrassing. If you were trying to promote Christianity, would you do it this way? Would you put these two psalms here in the Bible that shows how much this guy, who's a faithful servant of God, is struggling and in doubt? I mean, what, what, what's this supposed to teach us? Is it just to tell you, hey, life can be tough, hang in there? Or is it going to just say, hey, just look at the brighter side? When you look at the subheading of this chapter, you'll notice that it's labeled as written by a Korahite. Korahite. Korahites were a group of musicians and poets who wrote many other psalms in the 40s and the 80s. And a lot of those other psalms were full of praise and adoration and hope and thanksgiving. And here's the irony that I mentioned earlier. The guy who's writing this is probably a praise leader. He's a praise leader. And he's probably led praise and worship where he's saying things like, clap your hands, shout for joy. But now he's saying, where are you, God? The psalmist, the Korahite, is singing a song of lament. He remembers Thanksgiving in the past. He hopes for Thanksgiving in the future. But now he laments. A lament is an expression, a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. And you find those things here in the Psalms as well. Laments have a purpose. It's here in the book of songs. And so they basically, they're songs. What are songs doing in the Bible? They're meant to be sung with others. They're meant to bring others together. And I think one of the purposes of these psalms is that it's meant to bring 
others together who feel the same way as this psalmist. It's his lament, right? It's his personal situation, and yet somehow it's in the Bible, and it gathers all of us who relate, who have been consumed by our tears, who are now cast down, who might feel forgotten, who walk around mournfully, who have had it with deceit and injustice. The point here of these chapters is not to just give up on giving thanks and praise. The point is also not to just be lost in your sadness and lament. No, the point is that lament gathers us to remind us that we are not alone in our struggles. It feels alone many times, but not really. It reminds us that we are to remind one another. Remember what it was in the past. Hope for what it can be in the future, and together then be renewed with a deeper, more real, more radical thanksgiving. See, here's the thing. Lament and thanksgiving go hand in hand. You won't have real thanksgiving, I think, without real lament. If you just have lament and no thanksgiving, whether you remember it or whether you hope for it, you're spiraling in a path that's going to send you into a dark pit. But if you only have thanksgiving without any lament experienced or remembered, your thanksgiving could be shallow. It could be a cheap sentiment that won't sustain you for the long haul. And it's sometimes and through our laments, our times of struggle and difficulty, as we remember moments of thankfulness in the past, as we look forward to thankfulness and praise in the future, that our thankfulness is being forged deeper, longer lasting. How? How does that happen? Notice throughout these two psalms, the psalmist is just full of doubt. He's asking the questions, the the W questions. When is this going to end? Why is this happening? Verse 9 and 43, verse 2. Where are you, God? Verse 3 and 10. All these W questions expressing respectively a wish for the whole thing to end and puzzled why there's an inability to see God in all of it. But the one W question that he doesn't have is who? Who? That's not a question. Circumstances are threatening him, verse 7, but God is still what? My God. The storm is his waterfalls. The breakers are his. The waves are his. In uh, in verse 9, he says, why have you forgotten me? But he begins, my rock. Why have you forgotten me? Do you see the struggle he's going through? Experience says, I am forgotten. Faith says, my God. Personal faith and thanksgiving is renewed in the midst of depression by a deliberate focusing, not on the circumstances, but on his relationship with a person, with his God. There's an old Welsh song with a lyrics that go something like this, quote, Turn me tender again, fold me into you. Turn me tender again and mold me to new. Faith lost its promise and bruised me deep blue. 
turn me tender again through union with you. True thanksgiving, deep thanksgiving, real thanksgiving is born not out of our circumstances, whether good or bad, but true, deep, radical thanksgiving comes from a relationship with a personal God, our union with him. And here's the point. Our God is also a God of laments. You know that end of Matthew chapter 27, Jesus on the cross, it's the sixth hour, darkness over the land. In the ninth hour, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your face from me? Remember that? The psalmist felt like darkness was all there was. But it was Jesus who got consumed by ultimate darkness. The psalmist felt overwhelmed by injustice, and it was real injustice. But it was utter injustice that Jesus experienced for us on the cross when he died like a thief. The psalmist expresses abandonment. He feels forgotten because he didn't get the answers he was looking for. But what we see is Jesus is completely and truly abandoned by his God. His Father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your face from me? And there's silence. Where are you, God? Do you see this? Jesus lamented. Jesus is the great lamenter. Our darkness is real, but only apparently absolute because Jesus absolutely took it for real. And that means that Jesus didn't abandon us. He died for us. He took our struggles and our pains seriously. Seriously. You feel injustice, you feel pain, you feel suffering, but Jesus endured the greatest injustice, the greatest pain and suffering. Why? Not so that he could just say, hey, look, look what I can do, but so that one day he promises that he will end all darkness. He will bring complete justice. No more tears, no more pain, no more suffering and death. Do you see this? There is no thanksgiving without lament. And here is then where our radical thanksgiving comes from. It comes from a God who lamented. It was lament for Jesus on the cross so that it might be thanksgiving for you even when you are in the dark. The psalmist repeatedly says three times again and again, hope in God for I shall again praise him. But we have an assurance, a kind of thanksgiving, assurance of a kind of praise that the psalmist in our passage could only hope for. Not just once a year, not even for just a moment, but a kind of giving thanks that is eternal, guaranteed for us by someone who went through just as much and even more than us. So when you find yourself in a situation like the psalmist, don't just remember the good times in the past. Remember him. 
Remember what Jesus did in the past for you on the cross. Trust in him. Don't just hope for better days, but hope in him. The one who says, I am making everything new and bring that to completion on the last day. I think the psalmist should have learned or might have learned, I think we need to know, he was always your God in the past. He will always be your God in the future. So don't just give thanks for your circumstances and your stuff. Give thanks for him because he is still your God in the present. Even as you lament. Thanksgiving is not just a feeling, but real thanksgiving perseveres you. It's a promise. It's a hope based on what Jesus has done in the past, guaranteeing what's to come in the future so that there can be genuine thankfulness and praise right now. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray.